Welcome to the SA for FA's Asset Allocator Podcast, a series that addresses issues of current interest to financial advisors, including ETFs, asset allocation, and the economy. I am your host, Gil Weinrich of Seeking Alpha, and today it is my pleasure to welcome as our guest, Victor Hagani, founder of Elm Partners, which takes an active index investing approach to portfolio management. Prior to that, he was one of the founders of Long-Term Capital Management, the Nobel Prize-filled hedge fund consultants whose end was not a happy one. Victor Hagani, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Uh, Good to be on it, Gil. Terrific. Well, first of all, to get started, there was a widely viewed TEDx talk in which you noted that there were 4,000 millionaires in the U.S. in the year 1900 extrapolating that there should have been some 120,000 billionaires with a B today if these millionaires received merely a market return on their wealth since that time. Yet there are only around 400 billionaires today. Can you tell us where all the missing billionaires have gone? <laughs> good, good question, Gil. Well, I think that those statistics indicate that investors uh, over time just haven't been able to capture market returns. And of course, there's uh, obvious reasons, taxes and consumption, people spend their money. But the severity of this shortfall in, in billionaires also is a very strong indication that people's investing habits also um, have cost them a lot in terms of uh, missing the returns that the market has had to offer. And the investing problems probably stem from two things. Of course, we all know about uh, the cost of investing, uh, fees and transactions costs that investors experience. But I think an even bigger issue is that people do not tend to follow simple, long-term, stable investing strategies. They tend to chase returns. They tend to be out of the market at times when they should be in the market. Uh, They tend to be overexposed in the market at times when they should be following a a steadier path. Okay. Well, Elm Partners' raison d'etre is supposedly active-passive investing. Now, many of our listeners are familiar with passive investing. Not a few of them are refugees from active investing. But many will not understand what active sure. investing is. Can you uh, well, enlighten us? I mean, I'm a, I'm a refugee too, or a, a, um, I guess a survivor of active investing uh, that didn't work out as we had planned. My experience at LTCM that you mentioned earlier was uh, LTCM was dedicated to active investing, to beating the market, to producing alpha you know, we had a very long run of, uh, of very good returns going back to Solomon Brothers, going back to before I was involved in it uh, for a long time, Solomon Brothers proprietary trading was churning out very high quality risk adjusted returns. The time that I was at Solomon, the same and, and the first years of LTCM were doing the same. And then in 1998, it all came unraveled. And uh, as as anybody would, I went back to the drawing board and uh, tried to think about what would make sense for my family and, and families like my own in terms of investing and kind of realized for the most part, I wanted to get back to you know what conventional wisdom would counsel, which is uh, a long only uh, maximally diversified portfolio holding the market portfolio. And um, that was the first direction that I took, but I kind of realized that it just wasn't going to be feasible for me to 
uh, make a decision that let's say that I want to be 65% in the global stock market, 35% in fixed income. And if I made that decision at a point in time, I just knew that over time that I would tend to deviate from that, that I would be reacting to the economy, the news, the markets, and want to increase or decrease that 65% at different points in time. And from talking to people, I realized that there are very few people that really can stick to a static asset allocation over time. And more importantly than that, it doesn't even make sense to stick to that asset allocation unless you happen to think that the return and risk that are being offered by the market are somehow unchanging over time. But if you believe that when markets are lower and PEs are lower, that long-term expected returns are higher and vice versa when markets are high and PEs are high, if you believe that, which I think most people do, then you're going to want to have more exposure to the global equity market when PEs are low and, um, and less exposure when, when PEs are high. And so I wanted to build that in. And so that's really the, the active part of active index investing. The idea is to take the best features of passive investing, low cost, tax efficiency, transparency, maximal diversification, and take a few of the things from active investing, sort of an eyes open, forward looking uh, approach to investing and recognize that we will want to change our asset allocation over time as markets uh, present a future of higher or lower expected returns. And that melding of, of active and passive investing, what we at Elm call active index investing, you know, feels like a fundamentally sound way of investing. Well, I hear you that um, you wanted to take the benefits of a passive strategy, primarily its low costs and simplicity, and add some of the advantages of an active strategy. And yet, ironically, in your most recent contribution to Seeking Alpha, you appear to question the value of various active strategies. So my question for you is, are you now shifting gears at Elm Partners? Question. We tried to give as balanced an account as we could of the reasons why people may want to tilt their portfolios to certain factors, uh, certain portfolio characteristics like low price to book or uh, low volatility or high dividend yield or, or momentum. And then we tried to give some reasons for skepticism regarding that. Now, you know, first of all, many people view smart beta as, as actually in the passive investing world because it's rules-based, it can be relatively low cost. You know, we view smart beta and factor investing as, as uh, some group of investors making zero sum bets versus other groups of investors, because the only portfolio that everybody can hold at the same time is the market portfolio. And so any tilts, whether it's tilting towards small cap or, or any of the other factors is going to be a bet where you need somebody to be taking the other side of it. So we kind of concluded that we were a little bit less sanguine about factor investing and smart beta than, than we had been seven or eight years ago when we were setting up our baseline allocations for the portfolios we manage at Elm. And so as a result of this research, we decided to reduce this the already relatively small tilts that we have in the portfolio 
to small cap stocks and stocks that have low price to book. So anyway, it's a, it's a small tweak, but the article, uh, you know, even though the article didn't have that much to do with what we're doing at Elm, you know, definitely got quite a lot of attention. The Economist uh, Buttonwood uh, column picked it up and, and a few other places. So we were pleased that what we wrote seemed to resonate with other market observers. Well, let me ask you this then, as one who primarily is looking to keep costs low and putting some sort of thin but well thought through layer of active management over your portfolio management. The question is, what is the value of a financial advisor? Different investors have different needs of a financial advisor. And um, because we wanted to build our business around a very low fee of 12 basis points, that meant that we could only uh, make sense of providing certain services to our clients and not others that would wind up being a lot more expensive, but that other clients might indeed need. So we really decided to to target uh, financially sophisticated investors who mostly needed a sensible, low-cost, tax-efficient asset allocation uh, approach for part or most of their savings. And so uh, we have discussions with all prospective clients um, at the beginning, and we talk about their risk tolerance and whether what we're doing at Elm is uh, likely to be appropriate for them. And then we uh, try to try to keep an ongoing educational process in terms of long-term investing and portfolio choice, but we're not doing a deep dive uh, into the financial requirements of each client. You know, we're not doing as much of a full service uh, financial advisory uh, offering as as others who are charging much higher uh, fees. You know, it's clear to me that uh, financial advisors, the concept of financial uh, alpha, financial advisor alpha, I think is maybe Vanguard coined the term, is a real thing. And, and that if it's right for the client and they need a much more comprehensive financial advisory service and are paying 100 basis points for that, you know, it's our belief that that can really be worth it if the financial advisor helps the client to follow a sensible investing and consumption plan over their lifetime. You know, so our low fee is is really in tandem with offering kind of very, very parsimonious advice to our clients uh, and trying to select our clients who are already quite financially sophisticated and therefore can be serviced at a much lower cost to us. At the end of that TEDx talk, you said that somehow we need to marry the advantages of passive to simple rules-based discipline, which can provide investors with the growth they need, but at a fraction of the cost. To we have that, about uh, 850 vision? million of assets that we're managing for about 300 uh, families. Pretty much we're the only robo-advisor that's got a low-cost, dynamic asset allocation offering. So if we look at other low-cost asset allocation offerings, they're all static. You know, they're, they're um, just a strategic asset allocation that's decided and then rebalanced to the same weights over time, unless the client requests a change in that asset allocation. We're the only ones who are providing something that's dynamic, that's being driven by ex- the expected return of the asset classes. Um, other dynamic asset allocation products that are out there just tend to be much higher cost ones. And they also tend to be non-rules-based because if you're using a simple set of rules, it's hard to justify a higher fee with uh, a rules-based type of approach. You know, also uh, myself and my part, my business partner and the CEO of Elm Partners, James White, both of us have 
uh, almost all of our investable assets managed by Elm. So, which is kind of how Elm got started was I wanted to do this type of investing for myself. And then various friends uh, wanted to join in and, and it kind of grew from there. Well, that's interesting. Uh, you talked a lot about rules-based asset allocation. And I think that's an excellent way for us to conclude our talk because I very much want to return to your premise, where did all the missing billionaires go? Now, I myself have both written and podcast on this very topic, not, not exactly framed that way, but I actually feel that Asset allocation is very fundamental to it. I think people took too much risk and then they couldn't handle various changes that happened in the economy, be it the Great Depression or the dot bomb of the, the year 2000. I've never managed money, so my opinion doesn't really matter that much here. But I'm just simply saying that I think a, a good dose of cash is very helpful, a nice amount of real estate as well. So now I want to come back to the topic. What do you think ultimately caused these billionaires to sort of disappear or not, not materialize as they <laughs> should have according um, to normal population so growth. So the fact that there were 4,000 millionaires in 1900 is a massive underestimate of kind of how much wealth there should be today if people were actually able to harvest the returns of the stock market. You know, what are the main causes of the shortfall or the missing billionaires? It, it's hard to know, but I think that many investors, especially wealthy investors, being highly concentrated you know, that for a long time, uh, up until the 1960s, a prudent investor would would mostly own uh, investment grade corporate bonds. Well, if you did that, not only were you missing the returns of the equity market, but you also were taking some pretty significant credit risk because a lot of the bonds that were viewed as as uh, investment grade actually wound up uh, defaulting or, or becoming impaired over time you know, high fees, return chasing, tax inefficiency, you know, later on, I think all of these things contributed. Helping investors harvest the returns of the stock market, a compelling approach. Thank you, Victor Hagani of Elm Partners. Thank you, Gil. Thanks for listening and consider listening as well to Seeking Alpha's new Let's Talk ETFs podcast, which explores ways ETFs can help investors reach their financial goals. If either are to your liking, consider leaving a review on Apple or Google Podcasts to help others discover the series. Meanwhile, you can contact me at gill at seekingalpha.com if you have feedback or requests, and make sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts.